Welcome to Dig Deep. We are kicking off a brand new series today called Wounded Healer. And I am so grateful that our friend Amy Smith is back on the podcast today. Amy, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Many of you will remember Amy Smith's interview with us during the Dysfunctional series where she shared so openly about her relationship with her dad and the brokenness that she experienced in that relationship and then the healing that God brought to that relationship. It was a really, really special and powerful episode. And so I am so grateful that Amy has agreed to come back and help tackle a really difficult issue, anxiety and depression and mental health. This is something that I personally feel is under talked about in the Christian community. And so I'm so grateful to you, Amy, for being willing to come and talk about this today. Mm -hmm. So thanks for being here. So I want to let people know sort of where we're going with this series and the context for this series before we jump in and start talking about this issue. This series is called Wounded Healer, and Jesus is often referred to as the Wounded Healer, and that stems from the passage in Isaiah 53, where we're told that by his wounds we are healed. Here's where that comes about in context. In Isaiah chapter 53, starting in verse 4, It's a prophecy that Jesus ultimately fulfilled, and it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. And so we have in Jesus, a wounded healer. He knew our suffering. He entered into our suffering and ultimately died to redeem us, to bring us back into right relationship with God the Father. And the Apostle Paul describes Jesus and his suffering this way, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. And because Jesus came and suffered and died to save us, he is the picture of true compassion. He embodied compassion by coming and suffering with us, and then he comforts us in our suffering. But the passage doesn't stop there, because the Apostle Paul goes on to say that as Jesus comforts us in all our troubles, we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So in this series, we are striving to do just that. We are going to talk about some really tough issues, and all of these episodes are going to be interviews with real people who've experienced real suffering in their lives and who have experienced that comfort that God offers. And in turn, they have, in their own suffering, turned and comforted others. And so everyone that is interviewed in this series are people who are living this out already. They are using ways that they've suffered to speak into other people's lives who are suffering in the same way and comfort them. And so this series is just an opportunity for them to extend that even further and offer a voice of comfort and compassion to people who might be going through the same kind of suffering. And so today we are kicking it off with anxiety and depression, mental health, which, as I said in the beginning, is an under-talked-about issue, I feel like, in Christian circles. And Amy, you and I have talked about this and how there is just still a a real stigma about it. So thanks so much, Amy, for being here and being willing to tackle this complicated and really difficult subject. So before we get started, I just want to say I want to break our interview time into three main 
sections and just let people know up front that I want to talk about the stigma that there is about mental health issues, mm-hmm. specifically anxiety and depression. So the stigma treatment and what that means, all the different things that that can mean. And then finish by just giving a word of encouragement to people, both to people who may struggle with mental health issues or are just connected to, which we all certainly are connected to someone who is struggling with this kind of suffering in their life. So first, let's talk about stigma. There is a stigma. We just have to acknowledge that there's a stigma in society, but especially in the Christian community, the topics of anxiety and depression are are tough to talk about. I want to know how have you experienced that stigma in your life personally? Mm -hmm. The most common thing that I've heard or experienced is people believing that mental health is representative of a lack of faith. That if the message that I receive is that if you were doing it right, whatever that means, or Mm. if you believed God enough, or if you prayed enough or read your Bible enough, if you were good with God enough, then you wouldn't be experiencing these things. And in my experience, that's just not true. Some of the seasons where I have not only been doing all of the right things, including going to Bible study and being in community, reading scripture every day, in some of those seasons, I've had just as much anxiety as in the other seasons where yeah. I'm not as close to God or not as aware of my redemption as a daughter of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I think it's mental health has been relegated to this realm that feels like it's directly connected with our faith. And yeah. in some ways it is, but in some ways it's uh, very physical, mental, emotional, and not spiritual experience that is disconnected from how much I'm trusting and believing Jesus in that moment. Yeah, I agree. There is definitely something where we we seem to swing to one side of the end of the spectrum or not. Like we we tend to either say it's totally not related to our faith. And it's just this weird, you know, anomaly that no one can explain. And so let's just not talk about it. We don't really know what's going on. Or we over-spiritualize it to the point where we say, well, there must be some sin in your life or there must be some, you must not be doing something because if you were doing all the right things, like you said, then you wouldn't be experiencing that. And so I I think there's a lot of value to us just having this open conversation about it. Um, Being two women who have battled this in the past, Mm -hmm. this is something that when I have shared with any group of people, big or small, any part of my my journey with this. And the first time um, I experienced a real heaviness of it probably being when I had my first daughter and experienced what you might call baby blues. Some people might have called it postpartum, depending on. And thankfully, it was a pretty acute um, episode of what felt like depression. I remember thinking, is this what is this what depression feels like? This is so unbelievably unbearable. I could barely get out of bed. And I remember at one point looking at this huge wedding photo that we had on the wall and we had only been married for a few years and it was us with all of our wedding party. And I remember looking at myself right in the middle of it. And of course I have a big smile on my face in the picture. And I remember thinking, I know that I felt happy that day. Like logically, I know that I did. What does that feel Mm. like? And I tried to conjure up 
a feeling of anything. I mean, I remember trying to think about sad things just so I could try to feel sad Mm. or feel, think about happy things to feel happy and realizing I cannot feel Mm. anything other than what felt like darkness and, and sorrow and, and ash in my mouth. And I'm ashamed to admit it that I had always been puzzled by people who described things like that because I had not experienced it personally. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, is that really, really a thing or what? I just didn't understand it. I, I couldn't understand it. And so like everything in life, we try to categorize it and make sense of it and say, well, then it must be this or that. And, and, Christians, we have done that with mental health Mm -hmm. absolutely to a fault, is we have to try to explain it. And sometimes there is no explanation. Mm -hmm. And so the best thing that we need to do is just talk about it Mm -hmm. and try to release people from the stigma that they feel. What would you say to somebody who, who is that person who's never experienced it personally? How can we help them maybe break down the stigma in their mind about Mm -hmm. it. I think if you're someone who hasn't experienced this personally, then it can seem unreal or unbelievable or you relate it to whatever is the worst thing you've experienced in your Mm -hmm. life. We each only have our experiences. So for you, the sadness that you had felt, or for me, when it comes to my anxiety, it feels like this doom of the future that everything is coming at me so fast and I don't have a handle on it and it's going to be horrible. For someone to hear that and understand it, they may relate it to whatever was the scariest experience Mm. in their life, but not understand the crippling anxiety that logically i know the world is not doomed jesus is coming back i can tell myself these truths that i know but my whole body is reacting as if that's not true and when you have a panic attack and for me you know head between my knees feeling like my heart is going to explode from my chest and believing in that moment that i'm going to die yeah and something i've experienced for about 15 years now different panic attacks at different times If you're not someone who has experienced that, it sounds unbelievable. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't experienced this, to read the Psalms because it's part of, I think, David crying out and the pain that he's experiencing or even lamentations, the pain that is expressed. I think it's important for people to see that and try to connect to it and understand that that pain still exists in the world today and that that may be something that their loved ones or their church member or whoever is experiencing to the same extent that David was and being able to respect that this is part of this world. And Mm -hmm. it's not something that is unreal or unbelievable. I think sometimes Christians need to see it in scripture to believe that it could be part of the world that God created. And the reality is a truth that a friend shared with me recently that really encouraged me and gave me peace on my journey is that mental health is spiritual. 
Yeah. Because everything is spiritual. Because everything in this world is either in line with the way that God created it to be yeah. or not in line. The right. brokenness of the world, the sin that came into the world broke everything. Yeah. It broke relationships. It broke our desire to pursue God. It broke our brains. It broke our hearts. It broke everything. Mm. And so it's okay that someone feels anxious. It just is what it is. Yeah. And it's all part of this world. So I think that the worst thing that you can do for someone who's feeling anxious or depressed or having some feelings or reactions to things that they don't understand, that they don't know how to deal with, is to question them yeah. or to uh, just give them kind of pat answers yeah. or say, or try to fix it. Have you tried this? Yeah. Or, yeah, try to well, fix it. Well, and that's it. what, and I love what you said about the Psalms and reading the Psalms and just sort of really stepping back. And there have been times where I've read the Psalms and thought, gee whiz, David, like what, what is going on in your life? And then there've been times where I've read the Psalms when I'm in a season of a lot of pain and darkness and I, they've felt like my words. I've thought these aren't mm -hmm. even David's words. These are my words. Mm -hmm. And, um, so often when I read the Psalms, I don't know how to respond. And I think that's common for a lot of us. We read it and it's like, well, what do you even say to that? Mm. And we should take a note from that and realize that Maybe there isn't anything to say. Mm. Maybe it is being there and sitting with someone and exercising real compassion. And like we said in our in our verse, Jesus is the father of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. And that just means entering into someone's suffering with them and living there with them, mm -hmm. being there for them with whatever they need from you but not coming in and trying to fix it all, mm -hmm. um, just being there and listening. So there definitely is this stigma. And we. Are, my hope is that anyone listening, whether you struggle with these issues or not, that you will take a step toward realizing, like you said so beautifully, Amy, that sin broke this world. It broke our minds. It broke our hearts. It broke our bodies. Everything is broken and we don't always know why. And you and I have talked about this. We've compared it to experiencing physical pain in your life and not always knowing what the source of that pain is. And so if you have really, really horrible joint pain somewhere in your body, it could be that you were in a car accident a decade ago and you're still experiencing the residual effects of that. Or it could be you were born into a family that has a medical history of joint pain or arthritis. Or it might be a medical mystery that is unsolved and they still have not figured out, doctors still have not figured out what is causing you this physical pain. And mental health should be approached the same way. We need to view it as part of our experience of this broken world, this broken life, and approach it spiritually and ask God to help us navigate through it and God willing out of it, though we we never know what the future holds. So that leading us to our next big topic of treatment, because this is the next step in that, acknowledging this is a very real area of suffering for so, so many people, and that the sources of it, what it's connected to in our lives can be so different. It can stem from so many different places, past experiences, family history, unknown reasons for these experiences. How can we then approach 
treatment, taking the next step. And I'd love to know for, from your experience, what has that journey been like for you as you've you said you've you've dealt with these anxiety issues for now over 15 years and what has been your your treatment journey mm-hmm. the first thing that i did was get into counseling mm. and it's hard to go to counseling and it can feel like weakness mm. just as all of this can any you, you have to admit you have a problem to seek help in yeah. some way um to, to seek a solution, you have to say, I'm broken. Yeah. And that's our Christian journey again and again. We need to be broken and realize that Jesus needs to redeem not just our sin, but all of this brokenness of the world. We need to keep seeking Jesus on those things. But it can be hard to go to counseling. But uh, one piece of encouragement would be if you don't click with the first person, just to keep trying and yes. to try different counselors and to, I think, we do need to be vulnerable about this stuff and not keep it hidden in part because maybe you know of a counselor that would really benefit me. And if I'm not telling you that I'm struggling with something, then you won't know to be able to help me. So counseling has been huge for me. I think there are a lot of practical things that come out of counseling. I often compare it to a wound. Like if you fall down and you scrape your knee, if you don't, apply you know clean it out and apply the ointment and put the bandage on and clean the bandage you're gonna get a really gross nasty scab if you just have this pain and you just leave it there forever and ever and when you eventually get to the place where someone is gonna fix the scab it's nasty like they peel back the scab and all the nastiness is there and they probably to get not to get graphic but have to like root in there and get nastiness out of it and therapy is exactly the same way whether like you said it's things that we did in our own past or someone did to us or we have no idea where it's from we have to uncover the nastiness to be able to allow God to clean it out and give it some fresh air but that's gonna hurt and so stick with counseling I would I'm I'm not a professional, so I can't, you know, prescribe right. anything to anyone or make recommendations, but I would say don't go for less than three months. Yeah, that's good. Because you need to really be committed to it and be committed to doing the other things in your life that are going to help. Right. And, and so often that can be illuminated by your counselor. They can give you next step to take and really help analyze your specific wounds and try to get to the bottom of maybe what you're experiencing. And that is different for everybody. We talk about this in broad terms of anxiety and depression, but we've, we've acknowledged that those come on people in different seasons of life for different reasons. Sometimes they're lifelong struggles. Sometimes it truly is a chemical imbalance. Sometimes it's hormone related as in instances of postpartum and baby blues, which is not talked about enough in my opinion. I mean, there are so many different things. And then obviously they can take place from experiencing a tragedy or a trauma. And so that is the value of going to counseling, specifically Christian counseling. If you can find it, someone who is rooted in Uh, faith in Jesus, but also acknowledges that there are so many different things that can cause these deep pockets of suffering in our lives, and they can help us navigate through that. And so um, for anybody listening who is struggling with some of these things, we just want to list a couple um, of the things that we've experienced in our journey that have helped with this. And so I'll start by saying that um, 
I've had counselors tell me that there's a lot of value in um, certain disciplines that certainly feel sometimes like insurmountable feats, like getting out of bed at the same time every day, every morning, getting outside every day that you possibly can, exercising, having a healthy diet, being in community with other people. And so if there's any of those steps that you haven't taken, if you are struggling with these issues right now, I would encourage you to take them. And we are not medical professionals, as we've said, but those are some pieces of unsolicited advice that they're things that we've tried that have benefited both of us. But now I want us to talk about another thing that there is a stigma about for sure, and it falls under the umbrella of treatment. What about medication? Medication is such a tricky thing. I feel like in our Christian society, there's this stigma about it still and, and almost a fear of if you are taking medication that says something about your faith or if, if a Christian is on medication for their mental health, they might be hesitant to share that with people that they're in Christian community with, which I think is just so sad. I've had people share that information with me and just seeing the trepidation, seeing the fear in their eyes as though I'm going to judge them or something when they share that information um, is just so sad to me. So you have that under the spectrum. And then you have secular society where we are moving more and more toward viewing medication for mental health like popping a Tylenol. You know, we joke about it like you're taking a flight. And so, of course, you're going to, you know, grab a couple Xanax or whatever, or it's Thanksgiving at mom's house. So got to refill the Valium prescription or something. We do, we talk about it so lightly. So where do we, how do we have a mature Christian perspective in this conversation about medication? And I feel like you have so much to add to this conversation, Amy, in your journey. So what would you, what would you add? What would you share? I think medication in particular has a stigma because we really don't understand how it works. Mm. Even medical professionals can explain the chemical reaction that's happening in your brain, but it's hard to understand how then that connects to our emotions. And so on the very strictly secular medical side, we just think there's something wrong with my body. Let me, like you said, pop this pill and fix the thing that's broken with my body. And then on the Christian side, we see this mind-altering substance. Mm. And for some Christian circles, they don't agree with alcohol because it's a mind-altering mm. substance yeah. or other things. And it, it can seem very much like you're not trusting God and you're taking the treatment into your own hands and you're altering your mind in some way. Mm. So I was first recommended to take medication about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's always something that I've wrestled with personally, feeling that I was weak and worrying that I would become dependent or worrying sure. that it would change my personality. Those were my biggest mm-hmm. concerns. And I always found reasons why not to take the medication. It never felt like the right time. And then recently, literally just two weeks ago, I started taking medication for the first time. Uh, It was a lot of prayer, a lot of conversations with my community, with my husband, with uh, Christians that I trust, that that are familiar with my journey, and that are familiar with have taken medication in the past or just understand it. And I think for me, 
I take a medication that is an SSRI, and which you can look up what that means, but (laughs) it... I actually remember from my undergrad days, it's a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. There you go. (laughs) So it does something to your brain. And the way that I can describe it personally, again, we're not medical professionals, so you need to, listener, you need to discuss this with your doctor and figure out for yourself. But the best way I can describe it is that previous to two weeks ago, when... I had an anxious thought enter my brain, my body, my mind, my heart, everything immediately reacted to it. And then it took a lot for me to overcome that, a lot of prayer, a lot of deep breathing to slow myself down and to not have to act on whatever that anxious thought was. Mm -hmm. Now, I still have the anxious thought, but I sort of see it and... Mm can choose not to feel it is the Mm. best way that I can describe it. So it gives me more time to, I still have to do all those interventions, which is what you learn in therapy. A lot of when you feel this, do this or prevent this feeling by going for a walk or eating properly or taking care of yourself in these different ways. So it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, stop the other interventions from needing to take place right it's just another aid that helps with it and something that gives me time and before I was on the medication I was just in such a horrible season of anxiety and depression that I wasn't able to really do anything it was definitely inhibiting my daily life because everything felt insurmountable even just going to the grocery store or doing the most basic things my mind was racing with all the things that could go wrong that I would cause to do wrong or that could happen to me that would be awful and I just couldn't do things it was paralyzing and including I was having a lot of trouble going to church and reading my bible Mm -hmm. and I felt guilty that I hadn't read it in a week and so I didn't want to and then I thought what if there's going to be some truth that I don't want to hear and just everything felt unmanageable and now I have being on medication being back in therapy I have more capacity to re-engage with God because I'm not so crippled by all of these thoughts so everyone's journey looks different I'm on a very low dosage of medication some people need to be on a higher dosage I, my plan at the moment is to be on it for one year. My husband and I were trying to have children. We weren't mm. successful. We would like to do so again. The medical advice is to not be on medication, although right. some people can be while they're pregnant, but right. some people cannot. And we're going to try for one year to use this medication as a tool, as a baseline for me to re-examine what are the things that are triggering my anxiety Mm -hmm. and what are going to be my coping mechanisms. Because as my therapist said to me, when you have a child, everything's going to be intensified. Mm -hmm. I told her I was having a lot of trouble making decisions because there was no clarity to me about what was the right decision. And she said, when you have another life that you're taking care of, that's just compounded. And so to me, part of preparing myself to be a mom is using this medication to be able to level myself out and to learn the coping mechanisms and the strategies so that when inevitably the anxiety comes in the future – 
I hopefully will not be on medication long term, although I will be I'm open to it if that's something that I need to do, but that I will be able to handle the brokenness of the world with my faith, with my strategies, with my therapist, with my husband, with all of these different things that God has gifted me with in my life. I love that. And I, I think that's such a healthy approach, that perspective that you have on all of it, on all of the elements of your your care plan and how can you move forward and take the next step and medication being a part of that. It is not some magical miracle pill that fixes everything. It doesn't. As we've said before, it we live in a broken world and this is a piece of that brokenness that we experience. But it needs to be a part we need to allow it to be a part of the conversation a little bit more and considered. It is certainly not for everyone, but there shouldn't be a stigma about it because it's a tool that I believe God can use to help us find comfort and healing. So thanks so much for sharing so openly about that, Amy. Um, I, I do want to spend a little bit of time moving to our third section now of encouragement, because if, if people are listening and they are struggling with this right now, I remember there have been times in the last um, several years of my life, times when I've been in a dark place where I have looked for somebody somewhere to be talking about this in a way that was um, open and honest and vulnerable, not fake and cheesy, like just do these three things and everything will be perfect, Mm. but also that had encouragement to give. So Amy, as someone who has struggled with this in the past, who is struggling with it currently, but also experiencing um, some comfort from the Lord in this process through all of the tools that he's given you, how would you encourage someone who's listening right now and they're in a dark place and they need encouragement? What would you say? I would say that you're not alone. Yeah. Um, that God loves you and he's not mad at you for mm-hmm. having these thoughts. They're real. They're, they're real. They're a real reaction to the real brokenness of our world. And you're not alone because Jess and I are here and you can reach out to us, but you're not alone. There's somebody in your life who God has placed there or will place there very soon that you can share this burden with. And I would encourage you to not try to fight this alone because that's something that I've tried to do is to say, I just need to pray more. I need to journal more. I need to do this. I need to do this. And it's too heavy of a lift. Um, there's a book called Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, and the yeah. little character describes that he has heavy boots after oh. his dad dies. And I think when yeah. we have heavy boots and it just feels like I can't even lift my feet up, let someone lift your feet up for you yeah. and come alongside someone. And it's really scary because there's thoughts that are inside our heads that we don't want anyone else to be aware of. But there's people who love you who can share this with you so it has to be the right person it has to be someone who can really listen so be thoughtful about who you reach out to yeah but share that burden with them ask them to pray for you right then in that moment and to just be with you as you navigate this they don't need to take over the journey it's your journey but just to know that you have someone there that you feel safe to be able to share even the deepest darkest thoughts because God has heard them all before he's seen them he knows them Mm -hmm. and he still loves you yeah and sometimes you really do need someone to 
help you lift up your heavy boots and carry your burdens. And we're commanded to do that in scripture, to carry each other's burdens. And, um, and so on the flip side of that, maybe to the person listening who doesn't struggle with any mental health issues or isn't struggling right now is to take the heart, take to heart the idea that you almost certainly have someone in your life who is struggling with this. And maybe you know that they're struggling with this or they're struggling with this and they, um, have not told you they are trying to fight it on their own and to prepare yourself to be a voice of comfort and compassion and to help carry their burdens when the time comes and to realize that that is what we are called to do as Christians. We are told in our scripture that God, through his son Jesus, he is the father of all compassion, that he's the God of all comfort, and he comforts us so that we may comfort others. He gives us that comfort and he expects from us to comfort somebody else. And so to look around at someone in your life, look for someone in your life, because they are certainly there who needs encouragement and comfort from you. What else would you say, Amy, to somebody who's listening who doesn't struggle with this? Um, Maybe it's still kind of confusing to them. Even listening to us talk about it, they're like, yeah, I still don't get it. I don't know. I would say learn to be a good listener. Uh, Learn to be someone who can sit with someone in their pain. There's a poem that I love that was read at our wedding called The Invitation by Oriah Mountain Dreamer. And there's a section that says, I want to know if you can be with sadness, mine or your own, without looking to hide it or fade it or fix it. Mm. And to me, that's just been critically important is to have people in my life who don't feel like they need to have the answers. So to you, listener, who doesn't know what to do or maybe you see someone struggling and you don't know what to say don't say anything just sit with them and ask them and the best question that someone can ask me is is there anything I can do to help what can I do to support you let me or your friend who's struggling own their own journey but just show them I'm here for you I'm not trying to tell you what to do or assume that I can understand what you're going through but I love you enough to just listen yeah That's so good. And maybe leave your advice at the door. I mean, so often I think our tendency is when we think about helping someone, for some reason, I don't know if it's because of our culture or what, we think the way to help them is to tell them what Mm -hmm. to do. And I think we'd be um, more like Christ and of a healthier mindset to say, what can I actually do to serve this Mm -hmm. person, to love them? And that might be just some of the most practical things, the ways that everybody can be loved or served, which is words of encouragement, making someone a meal, bringing them a cup of coffee, going on a walk with them, giving them your time, giving them your space, giving yourself to them. And so maybe don't think about what you need to tell them to do, Mm -hmm. but what can you do to support them in their journey? Because God has things in front of them that he'll reveal to them their Mm -hmm. steps in their time. Think about what can I do to be that for someone else? Because the premise of this whole series is that Jesus is the ultimate wounded healer and that by his wounds, we have been healed. And he calls all of us to then go and be wounded healers. And all of us are wounded. And so whether or not you struggle with mental health issues in your life, you have wounds that you can use to channel love and compassion and kindness for those around you. So 
when there is someone struggling or suffering in your life in any way that you can be that comfort to them. So any closing thoughts from you, Amy, before we wrap it up? I'm just so grateful, Jess, that you're doing this series Mm -hmm. and bringing light to things. And I think it's really courageous that you're taking a step out to share your own story and Mm -hmm. to make a statement on your podcast because it's really easy to brush these things under the rug and let it be something that people deal with individually. And I'm grateful to have a platform to share where it can affect lots of people. Mm, Thanks, Amy. Well, thank you so much for being so brave and vulnerable and sharing your story. I am confident that it will be um, an encouragement and a comfort to people who are listening. So thanks so much for being here. I am so glad you're joining us for this series. This is going to be an every other week series for the next several weeks. I hope that you'll come back and join us as we continue to address some really um, difficult ways that we experience suffering in this life and ultimately look to Jesus as our source of hope and comfort, even as we comfort each other in these times of suffering. So thanks for being here and we'll see you back next time. And until then, remember to dig deep.